podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message. So with one of the songs that we sang, it was, uh, it had on their, uh, where God, you know, the lightning bolts come and, and strike. And in Job, there's a verse that says that God commands the lightning to strike and hit the mark. And often I pray that I'm not the mark. So so if you'd open your Bibles to Psalm 51, Psalm 51, it's a, it's a familiar psalm. It's one of the most popular psalms that we, that we have. Um. I want to spend, uh, actually they, they, they have asked me to preach through the rest of the month and so uh, I want to be able to take this psalm and preach the rest of the the month with, with this psalm in mind. So uh, if you turn there, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll start. Father, we come before you with hearts that I pray are bowed down to you, Lord, that we would come with much humility and relying upon your grace and your mercy. Father, I ask that your spirit would come and accompany the preaching of your word, that I would be eclipsed and Christ would be seen. Father, that we would rejoice in him, that we would see how amazing your grace is. Father, thank you for the work that Christ has done on the cross to glorify you and to save us. So, Father, may we glorify you today in everything that we say and we do. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. I'm not going to try to get super excited today because I can't catch my breath when I do. So this psalm, Psalm 51, was written by who? Was written by David, right? David had a special, David, God called David a man after what? His own heart. And yet we see that David sins grievously against against God and we, we, we see within this psalm. So what I want to do is I want to do a little uh, background on this psalm and how it was written. If you're there, look at verse, I th- I'm not going to read the whole psalm because we're going to kind of be going through the whole thing here and there. Um, look at verse 17 in Psalm 51. David writes, 
The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. David is actually writing this psalm out of this kind of heart. Right? This is this is a mature David. This isn't a, a immature David. This David is writing this psalm at the height of his of his uh, his kingdom, at the height of, of who he is. He knows God. He believes God, he trusts God, and yet he still sins the way he does. And so this psalm comes out of a heart that is, uh, is truly broken and it's contrite. And that's how David writes this psalm. Secondly, the psalm is one of seven poems called the penitential. Okay, I looked that up, it means repentant. So we're going to go with repentant. So the psalm is one of the seven poems or repentance psalms. The other psalms would be, well, the, the, they, they are their Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, 130, and 143. Those are these repentance psalms. This psalm is written after the affair with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. And also in this psalm, David uh, shows a recognition of his horrendous, the horrendous sin against God. He blames no one, and he sought for God's forgiveness. Now I want everybody, if either you have your Bible or your phone, go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Because I just want to give some background on this psalm. So the background of this psalm starts in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and goes to chapter 12. Only two verses I really want to look at in Psalm chapter 11. Verse 1 says, David stayed at Jerusalem. It says in there that David stayed at Jerusalem in verse 1. It has where they were supposed to go out to war. But the end of verse 1, it says that David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, this was unusual. Kings were to go to the battle. They were out battling, and the kings were supposed to go to the battle. This was not David's usual practice. David's usual practice was he went to battle. But this one specifically says in 2 Samuel 11, 1, that David stayed at Jerusalem. Well, this is what sets the stage for David's downfall, is he stayed at Jerusalem. So if we follow that all the way down and we continue to read that story, we have the story. And I'm hoping that all of us already understand the story between David and Bathsheba and Uriah so we don't have to read all of it. And then at the end of 2 Samuel 11, I don't have this in my notes, so let me get to 2 Samuel 11 really quick. I apologize. Second Samuel 11, at the end, verses 26 and 27, this is what it says. When the wife of Uriah had heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. Now, this is where we want to pay attention. And when the mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. So we see where there's nine months somewhere has gone by, Right? So there's some time period that has passed. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Or it was, done, it was evil in the Lord's eyes. It was evil in the Lord's eyes would be another translation. I think the New American Standard translates it that way. 
what David had did displeased the Lord. So we have some time that has passed between this psalm being written, the Psalm 51 being written, and what had taken place. Now, look at chapter 12 of 2 Samuel. David had not repented of this. And so 2 Samuel chapter 12 comes in and it's picked up here. Look at verse 1. And this is what it says. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and he had brought it up and grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat his morsels and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling, this rich man was unwilling, to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. And that's not in a good sense of you are the man. This is in a bad sense, you are this man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now here's what God says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you and your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And you shall lie, and, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it in secret, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, listen to David's response after he says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because of this, your deeds... If you utterly scorn the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to the house, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. We know the rest of the story. So this is the backdrop to this psalm. So out of this heart is where we get this psalm. We see that David cultivates repentance. David comes in this psalm with this psalm of repentance. Now cultivating, this is what I want to talk about with us, the title, cultivating repentance. This is something that all us believers need to do. See, David was mature, and he comes with this this awesome psalm of repentance that he has. So what I mean by cultivating, if we want to have a good garden, right? This is the time of year we plant gardens. If we want to have a good garden, what do we do? We get good soil in there, right? Maybe some manure. We go in, we till it out, we get the weeds out, we pluck everything out. So everything is nice and full, right? Everything is good. Everything is fresh. The soil is good. And that's what repentance does to our souls, 
Repentance does to our souls. When, when, we, when we start to cultivate repentance, we start to, to see our sin in light of who we are and we see our sin in light of who Christ is and he begins to till in us this, this soil to, to get our, our souls in a good spot. So what is repentance? How do we cultivate repentance? Well, we have to have an understanding first of what re- repentance is. In the Sunday school, we heard it all, right? We don't preach repentance. We don't preach repent, repent, repent. And we need to preach repent, repent, repent. And so this is re- re- repentance for us as, as believers. What, what is repentance? This is what repentance is. Here's the definition of repentance. It is to think differently. It's to reconsider. It's to repent. It's reversal of decision. It's repentance. Repentance is having a sensitive conscience towards our sin and God's goodness, which then causes us to turn from our sin and turn to God. That's what repentance is. It's when we turn from our sin and turn from God. And this psalm is full of repentance. We see David's heart in this psalm. We have to understand also that repentance is a gift. Repentance is a gift that God gives to us. Listen to Acts eleven eighteen. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now this word granted, it means to grant, to give, to bestow. So we see that repentance is a gift from God. It's not something that you and I muster up. We don't all of a sudden get up one day and look in the mirror and say, oh, wow, hey, great, I get to repent because I mustered it up. No, if you get up in the morning and you, see, and you understand your sin and you look in the mirror and you sit there and say, oh, wow, I get to repent, that's because the Holy Spirit's regenerated you. That's because God's given you that gift to repent. So as believers, we have this amazing gift of repentance that God has given to us. 2 Timothy 2.24 puts it this way. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Again, there's that word grant, meaning the same thing, to bestow upon or to commit. So we understand that repentance is a gift of God. Also, we have to understand that there's two types of repentance. There's two types of repentance that we see. 2 Corinthians 7.10 puts it this way, as Paul was talking to the Corinthians, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So we have these two types of, of repentance. We have a repentance that is godly, And that leads to salvation. This is the gift that God gives us, that repentance, right? And then we have a sorrow over sin that is worldly, and it leads to death. It produces death. This is the sin, or this is the the, the sorrow that is produced that is just mainly, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Or I'm sorry I got caught. That produces death. That is not true repentance. True repentance comes from a broken heart. It comes from a contrite heart. It comes from a seeing God in all his glory and seeing us in our sinfulness and we want to follow God. It's this, it's this trueness that comes out of our house where we're walking one direction and all of a sudden we turn and we, we follow Christ. This is what repentance looks like. 
So now as we cultivate repentance, we must be rooted in one thing. We must be rooted in, look at verse 1 of Psalms 51. This is what we must be rooted in. So everybody go back to Psalm 51 if you're not there. As we cultivate repentance, we must be rooted. Like I said, we're we're planting this garden, right? We want the, the roots to be in good soil. So what we do is we're, we're rooted. What are we rooted in? We're rooted in the character of God, right? This is what it says, Psalm 51.1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Now we have to see where David's coming from. That's why we did this background. David's coming from, I've sinned against the Lord. His heart is absolutely busted into pieces. God has laid heavy upon David. And now we see this repentance with David and David comes and he says, this is what he's saying. He's rooting his repentance in God's mercy, right? Have mercy on me, his grace, his graciousness. It's, he's asking God to take pity on him, right? He's saying, according to your steadfast love. This is according to God's unfailing love, God's loyal love. He's rooting himself in the character of God with his repentance. And it's the same thing with us. We have to root ourselves in there. And he's rooting himself into this abundant, compassionate mercy of God. This is where we must be rooted when we come to cultivate repentance is in the character of God. David comes and this is the first thing he says, Lord, have mercy on me. And in this cultivation of repentance, we have to know our own hearts. And this is what I want, to spare, I want to spend the rest of our time, is understanding our own hearts through what we read with David. Because David understood his own heart when he sees this before him. First of all, when we look at our own hearts, we must clearly see, we must clearly see our sin nature. Look at verse 5, Psalm 51, 5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So David starts to, he starts to trace his sin all the way back to the sin nature, all the way back to him being brought forth in iniquity, being born in iniquity, not, not even there, but he sits there and says, but when I was even conceived, when I was in the womb, I was sinful. He's not saying that his mom had an, an affair or he was some kind of illegitimate child. He's tracing it back to, to that, to our sin nature, not even when we're brought forth, but into the fact that when we are in the womb, we are conceived in the womb we are sinful Job agrees with this listen to what Job fifteen fourteen. what is man that he can be pure or who is born of a woman that he can be righteous we are not pure when we're born we are not righteous when we're born we are born sinful and so we're we're understanding our own hearts and understanding the sin nature Romans five twelve. This is where we get it. This is, it's inherited from Adam. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We get this sin nature because of the garden. We go all the way back to the garden and Adam's sin is imputed to us. It's given to us. We inherit that sin nature. We inherit that sin nature. We have, to, we have to understand these things. Ephesians 2.1 puts it this way. And you were dead in the trespass and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
the Spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then verse, start, verse 4 starts off with, does anybody know what verse 4 starts off with? What's that? No, it's the best word in the whole Bible. But, <laughs> but God, right? But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. But that's not part of that, but we can hit on that later. So, so, so we, we, we see this sin nature, you know, as we, as we cultivate repentance, as we, as we become good repenters, I guess is what I'm trying to say, you know, with our sin. We have to understand our sin nature, David understands that he was sinful from conception and that um, that, sin, that sinful nature was inherited from Adam. Two, the second one, we must take ownership of our sin. We must take ownership of our sin. Right? We own houses, we own cars, we, we own uh, the things in our houses and we take ownership of those things because we use the, the, the personal pronoun my, right? Mine, this is mine. I own it. This is mine. I own it. So we have to take the same thing with things. Look at what David says uh, in Psalm 51 again. We're going to go through a bunch of verses. Look at how David owns his sin. He owns it. All right? This is in the backdrop. He, this is part of his owning it. Uh, verses 1 and 3. Blot out my transgression. I want, I want you guys to concentrate on, on the, the personal pronouns David uses. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my sin, verse 2. My sin is ever before me, verses 3 and 9. Against you and you only have I sinned, verse 4. Blot out all my iniquities, verse 9. And that's where we, we, we see these personal pronouns, the, the me's, the my's, the I's. And so we have to have this ownership of our, of our sin. We, we can't place the blame anywhere else it has to be on us we have to have this ownership turn with me to uh, genesis well yeah genesis 3 if you want to go there i don't did i give you genesis 3 okay so genesis 3 listen to this we go back to the garden right this is this is brilliant going back to the garden because this passing the buck of our sin off to somebody else isn't new it's not new listen to to genesis 3 8 through 8 and so forth and on um, this is after Adam and Eve have sinned and they have, you know, clothed themselves with the leaves and, and they, they're, they're, they're hiding from God now. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now stop there because I want us to see one thing which is really pretty, which might be a little rabbit trail, but I do want to see it, is that we notice one thing. Adam and Eve sinned, and what did they do? After they clothed themselves, they did one thing. What did they do? They hid, right? They were ashamed. They hid from God. And so then what does God do? God seeks after them. We have to understand as believers that you want, we're saved because God came after us. Not because we came after him. We hid. We like our sin. We hid in that sin. Just like David did with Bathsheba. David liked that sin. He got rid of Uriah. And it wasn't until Nathan came, maybe a year later, 
that David was finally broken over that sin. He hid from God in that sin, and we hide too, and God comes. Just the same way in Psalm 51, God came after David. God did not let David stay there. He came after him. Just like God came after Adam and Eve, he didn't let them sit there. They did not come after him, but he came after them. He's the hound of heaven is what he is. He comes after them. But listen to verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. This is Adam. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Gentlemen, here it comes. The man said, the woman whom you gave to me with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so we have this blame game that ultimately, if we follow that blame game out, God is the one who's responsible, right? Because he created the serpent. If we follow this blame game down. But we see the blame game. Adam says, Lord, it wasn't my fault. Eve was the one who gave me the fruit. Eve says, Lord, it's not my fault. It was a serpent that deceived me. And so we see this blame game. So we have to take ownership of our sin. So I want us to see in Psalm 51, I want you to notice, I want you to notice uh, who David does not blame. David does not blame Bathsheba. He doesn't blame her for, for being uh, outside and bathing. He doesn't blame her. So he doesn't blame, blame Bathsheba. He doesn't blame Uriah. David doesn't blame his parents. He doesn't blame his spouse, his kids, his upbringing, his boss, his circumstances, his friends. He doesn't blame video games. He doesn't blame social media. He doesn't blame anything. He takes full responsibility for, who, for his sin and who he sinned against. And we likewise in our repentance as we cultivate this, the, the, this repentance, we have to take full responsibility for our sin and who that sin is against. Third, we must clearly see that our sin is against the Lord. Psalm 51.4 Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may just be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. So we see where David acknowledges, against you and you only have I sinned. He understands the ultimate, per- the ultimate one he sinned against was God. And same with us. Ultimately, our sin is against God. Now, can we sin against each other? Absolutely we can. Did David sin against Bathsheba? Absolutely. Did he sin against Uriah? You bet. And do we need to seek for those, those people to forgive us that we sin against? Absolutely we need to. We need to have those broken heart. We need to, to have that spirit within us that, that we go and we ask people to forgive us when we sin against them. But David here gives us the, 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 the ultimate one. He says, against you and you only have I sinned. He, re, he, he re, repeats it in Second Samuel twelve thirteen. He says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David knew who his sin was against. And David was a man after God's own heart, right? Do you know what that means? David loved the things that God loved. 
And David hated the things that God hated. And so he was broken and he was crushed because he realized, I sinned against the Lord and I have done evil in the sight of the Lord. He doesn't look lightly on it. He doesn't brush it aside. David does not do these things. He's done evil in the sight of the Lord. This, this evil means disagreeable, evil, wicked, what is, disagreeable to, what is disagreeable to God? Ethically, it's evil. It's, it's an abomination against God. You know, it doesn't sit well in God's stomach. And in all this, God is the, 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 the innocent party in all this. Fourthly, as we deal with our hearts, not only are we to, to see where, uh, who our sin is against, not only are we to to uh, accept the blame for our sin, not only are we to understand our sin nature, but we're also to understand our hearts, we're to cl- clearly to see that religious performance doesn't take away our sin. Religious performance does not take away our sin. Look at Psalm fifty-one, sixteen. This is what David says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. David knew David knew that there was no sacrifice for the sin of adultery and murder. If you guys don't don't mind, turn over to Leviticus chapter 20. If you want to know the laws, go to Leviticus. You want to see the holiness of God, go to Leviticus. Chapter 20, I believe it's verse... I believe it's, oh, where are we at? 10. There it is, verse 10. This is what Leviticus says. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. If a man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. And this goes on and on and on with every, every sexual uh, sin that there is. It was punishable by death. David knew that. David knew. He knew the laws. He knew these things. Um, and he knew there was, no, there was no sacrifice for his adultery. And it was punishable by death. He knew what his heart truly was. He understood Jeremiah seventeen nine when he says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? David knew his heart. He knew that there was those things and that there wasn't a sacrifice out there that he could give to God. There wasn't an animal that he could take to the altar and have it slain that would cover this sin of adultery or that would take the adultery away. There was no religious activity that he could do that would take this sin away. And this, this brings us to, to Jesus' commentary on it in Matthew. In Matthew, I don't have these for you, Pete. Turn to Matthew 15. Or Matthew 15 I have, but I want you guys to turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 15, 8 says this. The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me. Is this us? Does this describe you? Does this describe me? I was sharing with Angela this morning. I'll be the first one to admit I can come up here and I can preach or I could teach a lesson, but I'm the first one to admit I don't have it all dialed in. 
I don't have it dialed in. I, I do these sermons and I write these things out. Man, I am convicted to the bone because it's like, oh, God is just ripping my heart apart. So how can I preach this in a way where the Spirit comes and does the same thing to your heart, where he changes your heart to show you, show you how beautiful God is in the midst of our sin and what God has done for us in Christ. It's, it's just amazing. But I am the last one to sit here and tell you that I have this dialed in, that, hey, I cultivate repentance every day and you guys don't. I'm not going to do that because that's not me. I don't have this dialed in. This, this verse easily can describe me. Easily can describe me. I can come to church and I can sing praises and I can read the word and I can sit in Sunday school and I can come to prayer meeting tonight and I can come to the potluck and I can come and do everything that the church does but my heart might be miles away from who God is. But you want to bet I'm going to come here on Sunday morning I'm going to put on my Sunday face and you're going to hear me honor God with my lips. Does that describe you? If it does, what a beautiful psalm. Repent. Turn from that. Start to honor God with your lips and your heart. Let your heart be drawn to him as you cultivate this repentance in your Christian life. Jesus, when, when, when Jesus in the Gospels when he comes and, and he really goes after people, who does he go after? Does he go after the, the sinners and the, and, the, and the tax collectors? No. Who's he go after? He goes after the Pharisees. He goes after the religious people. Us. Exactly. <laughs> he goes after us. Right? He goes after us. Listen to, uh, look at verse 23 of Matthew chapter 23, right? Here's what Jesus says to these. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence us right we come to church every Sunday morning man and we are polished aren't we we are polished we we put on the I didn't put on a tie today because I didn't want to be too polished so but we come and we, we put on our best faces right and people ask how, how how are you doing how are you doing and we we sit and we answer oh yeah we're doing great yeah everything's fine you know well what if you're a disaster what if you're a mess and someone comes up and says, "Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm this. See, you're just on the outside, right? You're clean on the outside, but on the inside, man, you're a disaster." But what Jesus is sitting here saying to these Pharisees is, he's saying, "You guys put on a great show. You guys fast. You know, you guys read the word in the public places. You ring the bells when you tithe." all this stuff, and, and you look really good, you look really polished, but then Jesus comes and says, but you want to know what? Inside, this is who you are. You are greedy and you are full of self-indulgence. He calls it right where it is because he goes, he goes right to their heart. He goes right to their heart and he says, your religious performance, everything on the outside, it doesn't matter. Jesus came and he saved us, but what he wanted, he came and he got our hearts. That's what Jesus wants. He wants our hearts. That's what repentance does. That's what, when we cultivate repentance, that's what it does. It gives our heart to Christ. It shows us the trueness of our heart, right? And, and we're seeing that in David. Blot this out. Take my transgressions away. Wash me. He sees, his, he sees his filth in the midst of who God is. Look at verse 27. Jesus calls this another way. 
He says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So he calls the religious people exactly who it is. And that's us. I mean, that's just not us here, but that's, that could be Christians around the world. We can always put on a good show. We can always look polished on the outside. But none of that polishness takes away sin. David was king. David was king of Israel. Only one of three kings of Israel. He was king of Israel. He was the highest person there. He was polished. People look to David. And yet David comes and he sits there and he says, there ain't a sacrifice I can give. All I can give is a broken heart. Brothers and sisters, may that be you and I today. May we bring to God only a broken heart. May we bring to God a a broken and contrite heart so that he can raise us up, so that he can lift us up. May you start to, to cultivate this repentance that we that we might be known as repentant repenters. We should be notorious for our repenting. This is where God has us. This is where God shows us these things. Finally, finally, what we'll move into next week is where we see God's mercy in all of David's repentance. And we see that mercy in our repentance. So finally, to close, may you and I be believers who are known for our repentance. May we be rooted in the good soil of God's grace and his love and his compassion so that we will produce the good fruit of a repentant life. May you be known today as a Christ follower with a repentant, fruitful life. May you today see Jesus in all of his glory as he dies on the cross for our sin and on all his holiness, that you would have a brokenness over your sin. May you repent of your sin today and may we hold on to the truth of who God is for us and what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for our time. Just pray now, Lord, that you would be glorified in us Lord, pray that you would show us the trueness of our hearts. Lord, that we would have broken and contrite hearts like King David, that we would be brothers and sisters, that we would be your children, that you would look at and say that these are men and women after my own heart, Lord. May we love what you love and may we hate what you hate. Lord, may we be sensitive to our sin. May we be quick to repent. May we we hold on to your goodness, Lord, and may you wash us today that we would be pure, we'd be undefiled, and we'd be children of you. Thank you, Lord, that you have answered this prayer in so many ways in Christ Jesus already. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. 
If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.